title of this message is kind of kind of different. You'll understand as we get into it why I worded it that way. We were at a meeting we go into tonight. A good friend of ours started this meeting, and it's kind of taking the news headlines and applying them to what God's Word says about the last days. And while we were in this particular setting, at the end, this lady said, well, we have to be positive. I've gotten a lot of trouble because I'm not positive some of the times. (laughs) And so... I just thought, you know, that's a good title for a sermon, being negative in a positive world. And you, you have to understand that the world, when they look at you, are looking at something that they think is very negative. You know, Jesus says, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. They don't like that. And then in Acts it says, there's none other name given unto man by which we must be saved. They don't like that. They want the inclusiveness. They want to be able to go over and Buddha can be just as relevant as Jesus Christ is. And they almost demand that. And there's a movement today to bring all religions together, mix them all up, and we can all just be one big happy family without any divisiveness. (laughs) That doesn't work. That isn't what Scripture says. Because whenever you are a Christian, you stand for that which is positive that the world holds to be negative. And they hate you for it. Jesus says, if they hate you, remember, they hated me first. They don't like it. They won't accept it. And there's many laws that are being passed today whereby they are making it more and more an inclusiveness for whatever lifestyle you want to live. We are to embrace it. And if you don't embrace it, you are then a narrow-minded, bigoted you know, whatever. You're the very lowest. And they're passing laws that you better had accept what they're saying or you can go to jail. The time's coming when we worship God in spirit and in truth can be the warrant for your arrest. That's coming. Don't, don't misunderstand that. It's, it's something that the Christian is going to have to endure. And we want to do that for Christ's glory. The early church did. They never relented, although everything was against them. They stood for the Lord Jesus Christ as being the only way of salvation. They would not accept in Israel the fact that God had destroyed the temple. Worship, it no longer is functional. It will not save you. And yet they hold hold that. I mean, they refuse to let it go. They will in the future, in your future, but not right now. In Genesis chapter 2, Verses 16 and 17. We have the first negative command in Scripture. The very beginning gives a negative command. And the Lord God said, or commanded the man, saying, Of every tree of the garden you may freely eat, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat, for on the day that you eat of it you shall surely die. One, thou shalt not, became the main stumbling block. Everything else was free to be taken of and enjoyed. Perfect harmony, perfect peace between the animals. There were no thorns, there were no insects. Mosquitoes, fleas, lice, or whatever. It it was non-existent. And despite all of that perfection that God placed man into... This one thou shalt not became the very thing that man most desired 
in all the garden. <laughs> he had everything at his disposal, but thou shalt not. And when they latched their eye upon that tree, and Satan began to work with the woman, and he said, hath God said? You know, questioning God's word to begin with, which is always a prime tactic of the enemy. And so when he said to Eve, hath God said, thou shalt not eat? She said, went on and gave a little explanation that put some things in there that God hadn't said. He didn't say you couldn't look at it. He didn't say you couldn't touch it. He said, you must not eat of it. There was really no magical formula inside that fruit, whatever it was, that suddenly opened up the brain capacity to understand good and evil. The partaking of that was the item that opened the door to knowledge of good and evil. And so when Eve looked at that, it then became the most desired object in the whole garden. And her thinking, and in Satan's persuasion to her, this was the one thing that would bring complete satisfaction, which is positive according to Eve's thinking. This will satisfy, everything will be perfect if I just do this one thing. Satan kind of put it in her mind. Well, you know, really God is being a little selfish here because he knows that once you partake of that food, you'll be as God knowing good from evil. And so from that day till this point, we put ourselves in the place of God to make our decisions our way, shoving God's word out of the way and refusing to obey it. And as she looked at that fruit, which is pleasing to the eye and desirable to make one wise, all the positive features outweighed what God said thou shalt not. She bought into the lie that man doing what he wants, rejecting God's word, and that thou shalt not eat. Those negative commands God made to man can, if you desire to know and disobey, you can make your life have better conditions by doing what he thinks is positive. Have you noticed in the world today that they are taken what God said no to and they are applying it to everyday life and making it normal and acceptable. And so, this was the beginning of the process. If you look around at the landscape today, you see how this is working out. (laughs) It didn't turn out too good for Adam and Eve. It didn't turn out too good for all the descendants that came after them. They had never we don't know how much time they spend in the garden, but in all that particular period of time, they had never seen death. Think about that. They had never heard the cry of anguish and sorrow. I don't know if you've ever been in the field at nighttime and you can hear the scream of a rabbit whenever an owl swoops down and catches that rabbit. Absolutely, it's a horrible shrieking sound. Because it's death. Man had never experienced that. And now then, man's heart is darkened by the fall recorded in Genesis chapter two, chapter 3, where that they disobeyed God. Now let's look over to Isaiah, to Isaiah chapter 1. 
And this explains to us what God's view of man's choices and the rejection of thou shalt not, what it resulted in. Isaiah chapter 1 verses 2 and 7, it reads, Hear, O heavens, and give earth, give ear, O earth, for the Lord has spoken. I have nourished and brought up children, and they have rebelled against me. The ox knows its owner, the donkey its master's crib. But Israel, that chosen grace of people that God put his hand on to be a particular treasure to himself, Israel, he says, does not know. My people do not consider. And he says, All sinful nation, a people laden with iniquity, a brood of evildoers, children who are corruptors, they have forsaken the Lord, they have provoked to anger the Holy One of Israel. They have turned away backward. And the result of turning away backward, he says, why would you be stricken? He was judging them for the disobedience that they manifested against God's known will. Just as America today, we, you want to, I think this is the one nation that, that you can lay aside Israel and have a parallel understanding how God blessed them above all the nations of the world. Our forefathers came over here for the purpose of worshiping God, not according to a state-run church, according to the way that the high-ups in that church would dictate the word. But they came over here because they wanted to worship God according to his word, not according to what some high official in the church said you would worship. They came with that purpose. It started out just as Abraham is started out when Abraham believed God. Well, our forefathers believed that we were given a country where the gospel could flourish. That was the purpose of it. But just like Israel, where it says is that the whole head is sick. <laughs> we think that we can make positive changes, positive selections, positive choices for that by doing so, even if it goes against God's word, we can be prosperous and become great and money and strong. This is what they thought. But he said, hey, in thinking that way, your head is sick. And the whole heart faints. From the sole of the foot even to the head, there is no soundness in it. I wonder if he's talking about our Congress. <laughs> you know, if some of the suggestions, I have a, it's supposed to be a quote by Abraham Lincoln, and I ran through it, and they said, actually, it's not a direct quote from him, but what he said is almost like what's written down. So take it for what it says, but Abraham Lincoln said, if America falls and its freedom is taken away, it will not be from the outside, it will be from the inside. And that has been true of every nation. The poison starts from the inside of the heart of the people of that nation. And whenever our Supreme Court, when was it, 1962, they forbid prayer in school, they begin to take God out of the schoolroom. And from that time on, look at the, at the graph as it goes down and down. We were listening on the news this morning for a few minutes, and it said that there was a, shorty, a shooting in one of the high schools. In, in Portland, that, that's an everyday occurrence anymore. They're talking about gun control, gun violence. You can pass all the laws in the world that you can think of. 
You can have them all in black and white so that everyone can read them. And those laws will be broken. We have enough laws now to control the gun part, but you can't control the heart of man because that's where the problem stems from. Man's heart is what we've just read here. It is sick. The heart faints. The soul from the sole of the foot even to the head, there is no soundness in it. But wounds and bruises and petrifying sores, they have not been closed nor bound up or soothed with ointment. And he says that your country is desolate. We have in our country those that feel that if we can just give the government the choice that they can make for us, not for ourselves, they make the choice, then we follow what they've chosen. That if we can just do that, somehow the solution has been given and our problems will be solved. There's a book I have that is an excellent book. It's by Erwin Lutzer. Anything that man writes, I find, is is worth buying. And, And it's called Hitler's Cross. And when you look at what was taking place in Hitler that provided the, the avenue for Hitler to come into power, riots, shortages, money that didn't amount to anything, you're seeing the very same demonstrations in America. And when I saw that, I thought, wow, we are in the process of a change in America that's not going to be good. And each one of us are going to feel it. And as a Christian, we're going to probably pay the price for standing for Christ. He says in verse 7, Your country is desolate. Your cities are burned with fire. I never forget when they had the riots. This newsman was out there and he was talking to his mic in his microphone. The news car was sitting over here and such. And he was saying, so far, the riot is peaceful. And in the background, you saw this tremendous fire from the buildings being burned, trash in the street, total desolation. Yeah, so far, it's, it's, it's peaceful. You know, it's not violent. <clears throat> well, Isaiah says, your cities are burned with fire. Strangers devour your land in your presence. How much money are they giving away? And we're not supposed to call them immigrants anymore. But how much money is it costing the United States to have open borders? We've only seen the beginning. We don't know what's coming in here over the southern border that's going to cost America plenty. But he says in verse 8, so the daughter of Zion is left as a booth in a vineyard, as a hut in a garden of cucumbers, as a besieged city. You know, I don't have a real high education. I didn't go through university to get a degree or go through this school or that school. The only degree I got in was truck driving. When I got out of the service, I thought that would be a good thing to get a hold of. Government paid for it, and I drove trucks and did for quite a bit of my life. In fact, I retired from Laughlin Trucking up here in in Carlton. Well, it's over. My brother here is a truck driver. Every time I see these pictures of the fog, the rain, and the snow. I think, thank you, Lord. (laughs) Thank you. I'm sitting in my nice, warm living room in an easy chair, and these poor guys, I don't know what they're going through. But as we look around the landscape in America to see how this is working out, it's going precisely as God said it would if you do not obey. 
Now, they were willing to follow their hearts, just as I think America is willing to pursue the course that she's chosen for herself. The rejection of God's command and sect was devastating to them, and friends, it's going to be devastating to us. If you write this down when you get home, Deuteronomy 28, I'm not going to read the whole chapter, but in Deuteronomy 28, verses 1 to 14, God lays out to Israel the most positive list of blessings <coughs> found in the entire Bible. I mean, everything they put their hand to just multiplies almost like the Midas touch. Everything you touch just turned to gold, was prosperous and wonderful. There's 15, if I counted right, positive blessings which God said he would give to them if they obeyed the voice of the Lord God. Then from verse 15 to verse 68 is the flip side of the coin. And it is the judgments that God would place upon that nation if they forsook the God who gave them the land that they were living in. You would think, you know, I know you've had little kids. There's something about fire that it's just so beckoning. Oh, you, it looks so pretty. And if you could just touch it and so, no, don't you touch that. And the child that minds is far better off. But the child that doesn't mind turns the hard way. The problem with Israel is that they were learning the hard way, but they didn't learn from it. I mean, it, it should have been given to them to understand that they needed to repent. Isaiah chapter 30, <clears throat> verses 9 and 10. I want you to think about our country. Isaiah says that this is a rebellious people, lying children, children who will not hear the law of the Lord, who say to the seers, do not see, and to the prophets, do not prophesy to us right things, speak to us smooth things, prophesy deceit, get out of the way. You preacher, all you do is just preach about What's going to happen if you don't accept Christ? You're going to go to hell. Well, they don't like that. They don't want to hear that. These people did not want to hear the truth of God's message. They wanted to hear smooth things and prophesy deceits. Get out of the way. Turn from the path. Cause the Holy One of Israel to cease from before us. You know what? They got their wish. They disobeyed, and God literally judged them for everything that they had did or had done. Now, according to them, the disobedience was positive according to the world's standards and attitudes. And in chapter nine of Isaiah, there's a a record there of just how they felt about God when He did punish them. Verses eight to ten. It says, well, yes. And the Lord sent a word against Jacob, and it has fallen on Israel. All the people will know Ephraim and the inhabitants of Samaria, who say, listen to this, who say in pride and arrogance of heart, we are a proud, boastful, arrogant people. They have an advertising on Newsmax where this, they show the towers whenever they were hit on that day. 11th day and this one guy says what 
They'll come over here to our country and attack us. You better believe they'll come over and attack America. And what we saw then was just a newsflash of what's coming in the future. God had spoke to Israel and said that the judgment is coming. It says all the people will know Ephraim and the inhabitants of Samaria has same pride and arrogance of heart. The bricks have fallen down. And this is the arrogance and pride that they display. But we will rebuild with hewn stone. The bricks they were talking about are the little mud and straw bricks that they made to manufacture their homes in those days. And after rain and seasonal events took place against them, they would melt and go away. Well, God had judged them, but they say, well, we may be in judgment. This is what we're going to do. We're going to come back with hewn stone with, made with chisel and hammer. And if you look at some of the walls over there right now, that wailing wall, they say that there's some huge stones that weigh up into the tons that are so precisely cut that you can't take a page from the Bible that's in the paper and insert between them. That's how precise they were. This is how we're going to build back. We'll show God that we have the ability to do for ourselves what he has refused to do. And then it says in verse 12 that for all his anger is not turned away. For all that they were doing, the Syrians, the Philistines, and those that had come to devour Israel, all his anger is not turned away, but his hand is stretched out still. Why? For the people do not turn to him who strikes them. Nor do they seek the Lord of hosts. Therefore the Lord will cut off head and tail from Israel. God is going to do the job thoroughly. And yet, they still didn't repent. They didn't change their minds. We have the same condition today in our land. And Timothy, Second Timothy verses 3 and 4 wrote about it. The time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine, but having an itch in the ears will acquire teachers that does what? Scratches. Scratches the ear. Makes them feel good. They're hearing what they want to hear. So that's why I said, you look at Israel and you look at the Americans, you lay them side by side, and there's a perfect picture there. So as we see what God did to Israel, guess what? We can say that God's going to do it to us, friends. I don't know how soon it's going to be, but I can certainly see the indications that it's not far off. Now that America's doing something else. America is making a positive move against God's standards. God's standards are negative. We don't want that. But they're making a move against God's standard for marriage. In Genesis 2.18, this this is what God says about marriage. It's, it's quite profound. Yet it's so profound, yet even a little child can read it and understand what it says. He said in, eight, in verse 18, And the Lord God said, It is not good that man should be alone. I will make for him a helper, comparable to him. And so, as it goes on, in verse 23, after God had caused a deep sleep, in verse 21, to fall upon Adam, and God created a woman from the rib, he took from his side. I think Billy Graham said, the, said that 
put it the right way. No man had ever seen woman. He saw all the animals they had mates. They all paired together. But for man, there was no suitable help. And when God caused that deep sleep to fall upon him, performed the surgery that was necessary, Adam woke out, woke up from that sleep, and he looked at Eve, and I think Billy Graham was the one that said, Wow! I mean, there was no other word that could, scap- could capture the, the total captivation of his heart from this beautiful creature that God had created. Wow, she's mine. This is my wife now. This is, this is my mate. And God, well, this, Adam said, this is now bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman because she was taken out of man. And God says in verse 24, Therefore a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife, and they shall become one. God's standard that was to be from the beginning until the end has been one man and one woman. It's not that way anymore, is it? Our children being educated in school, they're not taught that anymore. Instead, they are taught that a man can love a man, can marry a man, a woman the same. But God gave two distinct sexes, a man and a woman. It's stated also in Ephesians chapter 5, verse 31 in the New Testament. God's standard is unchangeable. He will not relent what he has recorded. In the world's thinking, this is negative. We must be inclusive. Did you know there's some teachers that have lost their teaching credentials because they dared to, some little boy thinks he wants to be a female, a transgender, and so he says, you call me by this. And even in colleges, places of higher education, one teacher refused to call the individual by the name that they chose. He had his credentials removed. Is this insanity? How in the world can people be rational? Even a sinner knows that this is not right. And yet today they are in the process, that they've already done it, that this negative, negativeism that the church has been taught and is teaching, and some of the most, more injured of those still believe, say that this can be changed and has been changed. This is taking God's law, which to modern day thinking is restrictive and negative and making marriage all inclusive. Let me read something from you. And this infuriates the person that is wanting to do away with what God has written in his word. In Leviticus 18, verse 22, it says, You shall not lie with a male as with a woman. It is an abomination. That is the worst, friends, that you can get involved in, is it being abominable. There's some sins that are horrible and tragic and very evil, but this is an abominable And it's one of the worst. And God has not changed that. Isn't it interesting that now in our government we have a young lady that comes out and takes questions with the news. She's a lesbian, married to another woman. We have Pete. What's his last name? Bitter Bitter Joe? But he runs 
supposedly all of the commerce, you know, transportation will have you in America. He has a husband. God says that that is an abomination, friends. And God is not going to stand still and let that continue on. God is going to do something about it. In verse 24, he says, Do not defile yourselves with any of these, for by all these the nations are defiled, which I am casting out before you. This was a common practice. It was accepted. It was something that that was prevalent and nobody frowned upon. But God said that because they have done this, I'm casting them out. I'm judging them. I'm pulling them out of the land. In fact, he says, even the land vomits them out. It's so bad. He said, for the land is defiled. Therefore, I visit the punishment of its iniquity upon it and the land vomits out its inhabitants. You shall therefore keep my statutes. Thou shalt not. There's that. Negativism. You shall keep my statutes and my judgments and shall not commit any of these abominations, either any of your nation or any stranger who dwells among you. For all of these abominations the men of the land have done who were before you, and this, thus the land is defiled. And he tells Israel, if you do the same thing, the land's going to vomit you out. And guess what? They were pulled out of the land. In A.D. 70, that land was absolutely laid desolate. Mark Twain went over there and said that you couldn't hardly find the twigs and the the bushes that normally grow in desert and are healthy in that kind of a climate. So you couldn't see any of that. Total devastation until the Jews came back. Now then, it's like a garden of the Lord. It is beautiful. But man today is taking that which is restrictive and negative and making marriage all-inclusive. You know, you, you can pray with someone that's been caught up in this kind of a situation. If they repent and turn to the Lord, their salvation. This is not the unpardonable sin. But when people engage in this, for a period of time, the heart becomes calloused until no longer can the Spirit of God point that out to them that this is wrong. To them, it becomes absolutely acceptable. So God is wrong, not their thinking. In Isaiah chapter 5, this is, this is what's happened. It's what's happening in our country and in the world today. Isaiah 5, chapter, chapter 5, verses 20 and 21. Woe to those who call evil good and good evil, who put Darkness for light and light for darkness. Who put bitter for sweet and sweet for bitter. And then in verse 21, he says this. Woe to those who are wise in their own eyes. I didn't write it down, but there was a fellow that was over a committee. And they were getting ready to pass some of these laws that are anti-biblical and God is against and one of the fellows in there that was mindful of God's standards stood up and, and told them, this is against the laws of God. Nader was... Anyway, this man said, beat the gavel, it is no concern of this committee what God's laws are. They could care less. They were just like Israel. They embraced that which God condemned. And so, in their eyes, they were wise. 
They're creating a country where everything can be inclusive and everything accepted. But he says, woe to those who are wise in their own eyes and prudent in their own heart. I'd like to conclude this morning with a few scriptures. first scripture I want to use is Proverbs 14.12. There is a way that seems right to a man, but its end is the way of death. I think it was Thomas Jefferson, and if I'm not mistaken, wasn't he a deist? He made this statement, when I consider that God is just and that he will not keep quiet, but his justice, I'm not quoting it the way that he said it, but he said that, that God's justice will not keep silent. He says, I shudder for my country. And as Christians, we need to be praying for our country. You know, I'm at the place and I don't think I'm wrong. Maybe I am. I don't know how long America will will remain as we are. It seems like 2023 is going to be a defining year for the whole world with the economic problems, with the food shortages, the chain supply where that they can't meet that anymore. I don't know how long it will be before God destroys us by judgment. Look around. It is well on its way, I think. As a Christian, you speak for God. You hold God's standard. You, he, His commandments are before you. And you know His Word. And the commandments are not all negative. You know, when God speaks a negative commandment, it is meant to bring about a positive response. Thou shalt not, and if that's followed, then a positive response will be obtained from God, and it'll be a good thing. So, you know, I don't think any of us here want to sit under a, a preaching ministry where week after week it's negative, negative, negative. That isn't what God wants. That isn't what he requires. But we do need to be reminded of these things from time to time. And so... The direction that America is going in certainly points, just as it did in Israel's day, that judgment is coming. There's another scripture in Isaiah, chapter 60, verse 12. And it says this, For the nation and kingdom which will not serve you, now this is talking worldwide, not just about us, will not serve you, shall perish, and those nations shall be utterly ruined. Do you know, do you know what this is pointing to? When you get home, you want to take time to read, open up to Psalms chapter 2. Why do the heathens rage? Why do they imagine a vain thing? Why do they look at God's laws and say, let us break his bonds asunder. Let us do away with that and establish our own laws, which will be inclusive for everyone. If you're familiar with the passage of Scripture in Daniel, where that he was called to interpret the handwriting on the wall, Remember, Belshazzar had that great feast and he mocked God. Bring the vessels from the temple that we brought from Jerusalem. And his lords and his concubines and all the people there, they were having a party that wouldn't end. And while he was sitting there, it said that a hand, just a hand, began to rise in a position on the wall where he could see it. And it said that his knees smoked together, he couldn't stand up. And I kind of like what Charles Swindoll said. He said when he saw that and he looked at it, he said he thinks he needed to change his pants. That's how fearful it was, folks. Because God says, 
when they called Daniel in and he interpreted, he told Belshazzar, he gave the outline of his father Nebuchadnezzar's reign, how that God had dealt with him. And he said, you knew all of these things. You knew that God was a God that would judge sin. And yet you have mocked God by bringing these vessels that are holy, dedicated only to his service. And all of you have drunk out of them. And Daniel said that tonight the kingdom is to you. And that very night, they didn't know at the time that the river that ran through the town and the iron gate was dropped down so that people couldn't go inside the town. They didn't know that someone on the outside had already had an engineering degree and they diverted the river. And it was then low enough that you could walk into the city by just wading up to your knees. It's just that very night. In order to understand the handwriting on the wall for our country and as far as that, the entire world, you need to look at these things through the lens of Scripture, not what some slick politician tells you, not for someone who has graduated with degrees in political science, has all the supposedly answers. You need to look at what is taking place by reading it through the lens of Scripture. And sometimes it makes the back here because you know that God hasn't changed. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. And if we do the sins that he judged in those yesteryear, those days of long ago, he's going to judge man today. We're not going to escape. God's people will because it says before that full judgment comes that he's going to rapture his people home. But that's pretty positive if you want my opinion on it. Look up, for your redemption draws nigh. He says, when you see these things, then you know that the time is at hand and that I'm coming back. We can say that, that have Christ as our Savior. The world can't. And I know there's enough families here with members in the family that don't know God. That is a great heartache. A prayer that we pray every day. God, open their eyes. That is the only hope. If we perish through a missile attack from some foreign land, what difference does it make to us? Paul said it's better to depart, be in the presence of the Lord, than it is to be alive here and go through all of this. But for those that don't know him, what a tragedy that's going. Shall we stand and worship the Lord as we're ready to depart? God bless you this morning. Thank you for putting up with me. It's always a fun time to do this, but God bless you and let's sing to his glory.